call from mom. Answer it. Call silence. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Tis the season to shine with H&M. Discover the holiday collection and find fashionable pieces for your wardrobe or for under the tree. Get inspired and dazzle with this year's glam. From tuxedo styles, bow detailed pieces, impressive prints, and more. From unforgettable looks to unforgettable gifts. With fashion finds to home decor, find it all at H&M. Treat your loved ones and yourself this season. Shop in-store or at hm.com. Finally, August Book Club in September. (laughs) So today is our book club of the book, The Push. Kirsten and Kathy and I have a good discussion about this book. I think we all had slightly different points of view on this book, which was kind of cool. It's usually me and Kirsten versus Kathy, not versus, but we have a similar opinion and Kathy has a different one. But this one, we kind of all three had a different opinion, which I think makes for a really good book club book. So, um... Yeah, it's a good discussion. We also talked about colleges. We also talked about what our kids want to do for a living. We also talked about um, a trip we recently took a little bit. So, you know, it's book club plus. So thank you for reading along with us if you did. And uh, our next book club is called Daisy and the Six. I've already brought the book into my house, but it's Daisy and the Six. Sorry, Daisy Jones and the Six. If you want to start that one and... um read along so we can discuss. We're going to do that pretty soon since the push was technically August's book club book. Thank you for coming back every week. Thank you for your emails. Thank you for your book club suggestions. I appreciate them. And I hope you enjoy August's book club in September. (laughs) I rode my bicycle past your window last night. How was bridging? How was all that? I missed it. It was good. Good. Was Smooth. Yeah. Exactly. As expected. No big deal. It's fun. Usual. No big deal. Usual kids yeah. hung out with the usual I mean, kids. Right. Exactly. Everything usual was the same. It was 110. Yeah. As always. It was 110. <laughs> it, was it was hot. You know, yeah. It was really hot. And no matter where I put the canopy, like the shade, the chairs were not in the shade. Yeah. Like, you did a good job. The, a lot I, of there's people There's nothing you can do. Shade. Like, yeah. The parents I'm like, just move, like sit wherever. I don't care. Yeah. They did take all the shady spots. They did take all the shady spots. Of course. <laughs> the kids. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you know, you put yourself first, put your own oxygen mask on first. <laughs> no consideration of anyone. Yeah. Bert gets so one of his biggest pet peeves is when all of us are together and we're all eating. We always let the kids serve themselves first. And he, he gets buffet anxiety. He's like, (laughs) 
he just took too many fries. By the time I get through the line, there's going to be no fries. Okay, when I was a child, this would never have happened. Kids go last and they get the dredges of the bowl. But no, our generation makes the kids go first and I eat the shit. I cook the whole thing and I eat the shit. Also, look at that plate. Right. I mean, when have you guys ever had a when lack of food? Ever got hungry? <laughs> exactly. Right? That doesn't happen. You that doesn't factor so in. Food. That doesn't factor in to his anxiety riddled yeah. scarcity where food is concerned brain. He did it last night. He was like, Max, Max honestly got a lot of fries, mm-hmm. like a huge plate full of fries. And I even went, dude, no one else has gotten fries yet. Like get some reasonable fries and then come back and get more fries. I'm sure they'd be left over. Right. But it was like an entire plate of fries. <laughs> and I saw Bert just like eyeballs to the side. Like, do you see these fucking fries he's getting? You see the fries? I was like, I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> Tone down the fries and come back. And he was like, okay. <laughs> and of course he couldn't even finish what of he put on his plate. Not. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, he's still piling them on. It is so funny. But yeah. Anyway, I don't know how we got off on that. Stupid kids. Stupid kids. <laughs> um, well, I'm glad it went well um, on Sunday. Yeah. I'm sorry I missed it. Um, as you know, I missed it because we were looking at colleges in Colorado. And um, Boulder is a beautiful college. And I kept thinking about Max the whole time I was there. It is kind of big-ish. And that part, I was like, I don't know if that fits, but I saw Max everywhere. It's interesting. He's looking at all big schools and I'm getting anxious about it because it's so not me. And I'm trying to like get him to look at smaller places. And he is just like a lot of places he's looking at are very, are on the larger size. So we have a tour, a virtual tour this afternoon um, of their engineering department. So Mm. we'll see. At Boulder? Yeah. Uh, it was a really cool town. Um, everything's kind of in a bubble. So even though, um, you know, their off-campus life is very full and very like one block over. Mm-hmm. Now, Boulder's bigger than just the university, but um, John Manns took us on a tour because Manns graduated from Boulder. Uh-huh. So he was like, you know, one block over here and this is where all the restaurants are. You walk three blocks down and right. it's like the Third Street Promenade. It's all... Like oh, cool. Patagonia, REI type shopping mm-hmm. all in the promenade. And the, there was a really good mix of of um, kids there. There were <laughs> there was the, um, what what house was it? Was it Kappa Sig was having a pool party and girls, girls, girls <laughs> were everywhere in bikini tops, just walking around the street. And we were like, what's going on? And as we're circling, uh-huh. cause the Greek houses are kind of in one place. We figured out that there was a pool party at the Capsig house. So, uh, Bert was like, Bert was like, you want to go to the pool party? Cause I could get us in. <laughs> and Georgia was like, no hard pass. I do not want my dad to get me into it. Oh a God. fraternity party pass. But I was like, wow, this is an interesting demographic for Boulder. I didn't think they would be uh-huh. the like LA roller skate, Daisy Duke, right. you know, triangle bikini top type demographic until we figured out it was a pool party. And I was like, okay, that makes a little more sense. But <laughs> interesting. So there was a part of it that looked like LA type kids. Mm-hmm. And then there was a part of it that looked like, like there was a jet. Ja- it was, we went on Friday and there was a jazz band playing on one of the like, porticos of mm-hmm. one of the big college buildings and then just kids like listening and then we walked a little further and there were kids laying in the grass reading 
And then there were kids clearly doing some kind of homework. And then there were kids just kind of walking around. And then there were kids who had set up a snow ski jump on campus and were jumping off snow skis with a crowd of like maybe 50 people. And I was like, wow, this is a pretty interesting campus. There's uh-huh. a lot going on here. It's so much better to look at them when kids are there. Like we yeah. saw a bunch of schools over the summer yeah. and it's freaking dead. Yeah. Like you get zero sense yeah. of the actual school. Yes. Like very you true. You see the buildings and like all of that stuff, but like the actual, like who are your peers going to be mm-hmm. is not there. It is no. so different. It's so much better to see it now. Well, I think one thing that might be a helpful hint, if you are going, like we had to go mm-hmm. on a weekend because all the tours are on Fridays or weekdays. Yeah, you got to miss school. So, and and if you're looking at 10 or 12 and then it's your senior year, you're, you have a massive, I mean, he has a pretty intense course load. So you're skipping all of this school yeah. in a year that you're not supposed to. Yep. And it's, you know, more academically challenging. You're like, wait, how do we do this? And oh, by the way, get it done by October 1st. Okay. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's no intense. It's, it's very, intense. I'm feeling very overwhelmed by it. Have you watched the uh, college scandal documentary on Netflix? No. It's really good. College admission scandal. The big one Lori Laughlin was involved in. I know. Excellent. That's how, that's Excellent. how Max is getting in. Yeah, right? <laughs> He's growing. <laughs> He's going through the side door. Yes. Um, so you should watch that. It's pretty interesting. But one thing I will say is um, we went to see three schools. We went to see Boulder. We went to see um, Colorado State in Fort Collins. And we went to see University of Denver, which is in Denver. Um, and Fort Collins had a football game that day. Mm-hmm. It was a Saturday. So we did get to see the student body. Oh, that's good. So that would be something if you're going to look at colleges to, to make sure that there's a home game that day. Because then at least you get some sense. There were kids everywhere uh, yeah. at Colorado State. And well, I think even once they're back on campus uh-huh. on a weekend, like you'll see them outside yeah, yeah, totally. in the quad or whatever. Yeah. In the summer, none of that happened. Yeah. So, well, I have to tell Sandy this. I totally forgot. So Bert, long time ago, uh, a fan sent him a patch, like the kind of patch you saw on a jacket that said, show me that butthole. <laughs> and it became this really funny joke with me and Sandy and our trainer where we would do something really hard and I'd go, show me that butthole. And we'd all laugh because I couldn't believe someone made a patch and they sent him a hat with the patch on it that said, show me that butthole. So we're driving through Colorado State and there's this huge flag in someone's window that says, show me that butthole. <laughs> <laughs> and Isla went, okay, this might be a really fun school. <laughs> And so that campus, there were signs in every window, like, I only go for MILFs, like in, <laughs> ridiculous. And I thought, okay, everybody, nobody here takes themselves too seriously, including right. the faculty, because they allow, show yeah. me that butthole to hang for everyone to see. <laughs> Boulder was so like tidy. There was mm-hmm. nothing like that. Like from the outside, the dormitory you would have no idea if it was a freshman, sophomore. I have no idea who lives there. Everything is like pristine and clean. And Colorado State, literally, I was like, show me that butthole. This might be a really fun school. <laughs> um, and then people were walking around because of the ball game. And then we went to University of Denver. There was a lot of Greek activity because it's it's Rush. Mm-hmm. Or it should be right about Rush. Yeah. Um, so um, we got to see some girls at least walking around there because there was a big Chi Omega group and then kids in the cafe. But you're right. Once school's back in session, it, people are kind of there. Yeah. Um, so. Did she, what did Georgia think? So funny. She said, 
She liked the University of Denver best because she has decided she does not want to live in a college town. Um, she, so Boulder, what we saw at Boulder looks like a college town. Mm-hmm. And Fort, Follin, Fort Collins um, couldn't really get a good sense of the town. They have like a Third Street Promenade type area too, but it was all families and people mm-hmm. my age. So she was like, uh, I don't know about that. It was really kind of out in the boonies a little bit, according to her. Now, I don't know anything about Colorado. Fort right. Collins may be a huge, you know, yeah. town. But she was like, I actually like the setting of the University of Denver best. But there's only, there's like something like, I'm probably going to get these stats wrong. There's something like 20,000 students at University of Denver, but only five of them are undergrad. So everybody else oh, is, really? is um, small postgraduate. Huh. Um, so she was like, I don't know about that. So she still wants to go see University of Oregon. She wants to see a university in Flagstaff. And um, she doesn't want to go see San Diego State, but her counselor keeps recommending it. And mm-hmm. I was like, if we're paying this lady, it's like a day trip. Right. It's super <laughs> easy to go. Drive down yeah. there. You take a look. You drive home and you've done it. And she may know what she's talking about. Yeah. I mean, that is what she does for a living. It may be a great fit for you. So. Um, so anyway, that's how it went. It was pretty good. All right. Good. I, I think what the best part was. It kind of it, it gives her a jumping off place. Yeah. You know, she has a point of reference. Yes. Um, they just need to see stuff. Yeah. They need to have a sense of what is out there, what life could look like. Yeah. Like Max was so clueless. Yeah. He had no idea. Yeah. You know, you can talk about it, but it's not the same as actually being on campus and no. seeing other students and whatnot. So no, it's not. Yeah. Anyway, that was my trip. All right. Well, that's good. So sorry we're so late on this book club. My fault. And then it's Kirsten's fault. Uh, right. I'm like, is there a time Hawaii. frame? How was Hawaii? <laughs> It was amazing. Was it? It was Hawaii. Where'd you go? <laughs> we went to Kauai. Oh, um, I've never been there. Yeah. Um, Richard and I had gone um, 17 years ago for our honeymoon. Aww. Oh, yeah. Um, it was great. We did a surf lesson as a family and we did a ton of snorkeling. I chased a shark. Uh, no. <laughs> like a couple of times. Richard kept seeing this shark where we were snorkeling. I never saw the shark and I was like, where's the shark? And he pointed, he's like, well, he went that way. So I took off that way. And he's like, it's ridiculous. You're not going to find a shark. Right. But I found the shark. How I mean, about that? It was nice. like the length of my arm. You right. know, it wasn't like a big shark or right. anything. Um, so that was fun. And um, just we did a lot of swimming and eating. And and yeah, it was fun. It was awesome. Really yeah. I'm so glad you needed it. Yeah. You did. It was good. <laughs> you needed it. And not only do you need to get out of your element, I think Hawaii is just amazing. It is. I mean, it's hard to beat it. It's really hard to beat Hawaii. Ever, I've been to Oahu and to Maui, and I just, it never disappoints. I just keep wanting to go back. Yeah, it never disappoints. No, it doesn't. Well, Such so a different glad. mindset, right? Yeah. Like, you just need that once in a while. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Just to get away from my dogs. I just got to get away from the dogs just to have one day where I can put a pair of pants on and not be covered in drool, (laughs) slobber and slime. Um, I'm so glad you got to go. I'm glad it was fun. That's good. Well, let's talk about this book. What'd you think about the push? 
I'm just going to say, I did not know that it was so dark when I recommended it. Had no idea. Didn't remember what this book was about at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I was reading it on the beach, I was like, wow. (laughs) Okay, a little light summer reading, anyone? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Right? Anyway. It was dark. That was my first thought was like, wow. But did you like it? Did Kathy like it? (gasps) Dun, 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 dun. Uh, There were parts I liked. I mean, it was entertaining or whatever. I freaking hated the main character. Like she was so annoying. Like everything about her. (laughs) Like I was like, step it up, woman. Like, I don't know. I just found her like really uh, depressing, depressing and weak. And um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I, I don't know. Like. I don't get a pair of cojones. Like if you think you're, there's something wrong with your child, fucking figure it out. Mm -hmm. Like not just the like, oh, I'm going to curl up in my corner and just forget about it and Mm -hmm. hope that, I don't know. Like she just really annoyed me. She had no parenting. She She had no, um, she had no support, no support at all because when she tried to bring it up with her spouse, he was completely unhelpful Mm -hmm. and gaslit her basically yes and she had no you know family supports like she didn't essentially didn't have a mom right um and her dad was not an active parent and it was just sort of a perfect storm kind of but yeah did you like it leanne um i liked it and i didn't like it i had both because um I related to a lot of the feelings that she was having of being overwhelmed with your first child. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like that. I related to it. It made me upset with myself and it made me want it to push rewind and go back and get rid of those feelings. But a lot of the feelings she had, and it made me think, I wonder if my, her lack of parenting and my lack of parenting caused those feelings where you're not expected. You do, you just don't expect to be so overwhelmed and sleep deprived and you don't have a support system like most people do with parents who come in and I mean, obviously I had my in-laws, but it's not the same. Um, and so I thought about that quite a bit. I was like, I wonder if I'm relating to her, um, in a way other people are relating to her, or if I'm relating to her based on my own experience in a different way than other people, because, um, I think sometimes when you don't have a nurturing parent, you don't, understand maybe what's happening when you're supposed to be nurturing you know what I mean or like how that you're supposed to be doing like my family is very lovely my dad is very sweet and I crawl up and sit in my dad's lap but I don't know that I grew up in a nurturing culture you know what I mean Mm -hmm. it was like you know stop complaining and just get it done work until you drop you know, you cut your thumb off, you don't go to the doctor. There's no, <laughs> it's not very soft. You know what I mean? So that wasn't very instinctual for me to have a child curl up into me and need me. I'd be like, what the fuck is this? I don't understand what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'd have to kind of like deny my own instinct and go past my own instinct to give what I thought I needed to give. But then I'd feel violated. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of what she was saying about that, I related to. Now, I didn't have a completely different reaction from one child to the other. I didn't have, Isla was a handful, but she was not, uh, you know, murderous or sociopathic or anything like that. She was just exhausting because she never stopped moving. Um, 
but I don't remember having any kind of like, I really love this one. I, I don't like that one kind of thing. I also think part of it is though, she probably had postpartum. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. And again, I mean? she like, had no supports. Yeah. Right. But that's a different thing than not, that's separate than not growing up with mm. a nurturing environment. Right. Do you know what I mean? That's a biological thing. So whether she grew up without a nurturing environment, obviously she did. But if it was that combined with mm-hmm. postpartum yeah. or whatever, I don't know. I and mean, not, she, it, it was yeah. the perfect storm in that sense. That yeah. And sure. not just um, um, growing up without a nurturing environment, but also compounding that the intergenerational trauma mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the grandmother mm-hmm. was not nurturing to her mother. And then right. the, like yeah. the mental illness and mm-hmm. then, um, yeah, I loved it. <laughs> well, I thought that part, I thought she was extremely creative um, I like mm-hmm. that she wrote some chapters in second person. And uh, for those of you, second person means you. You did this, you did that instead of I or she. Um, I liked that. I liked that. I liked that she went into two generations back and how she got to where she is today. I really thought that was a very interesting way of telling the story. Um, at times, I felt that she was a bit indulgent, this author, mm-hmm. in staying in the same muck for so long. I wanted I wanted some redemption for her or some lesson learned for her that I don't feel she ever got. She was just proven right in the end, and then we were over. And I was like, well, and shit. I liked that. I hate when there's See, like a- that's so funny. tied up in a bow. Go ahead. No, I didn't want it to be tied up in a bow necessarily. Yeah. I didn't want that ending because I knew that's where it was going. I was like, this I is, it's going to end with like nine chapters before yeah, I was like, too. okay, when's it happening? When's it happening? Yeah, and then I gave up. And then you're like the last line, really? Come on. It's like, like I ex- was annoyed at I, the end. Yes. I was like, that was a completely predictable mic drop. Yeah, exactly. Like, I know you're gonna drop the mic. So when are you dropping this mic? Right. And she dropped the mic and I was like, and that's fucking it. Right. You should have done it way sooner. I, I don't know. Yes. But like, and let, I, the, or, let them yes. process through it or. Let them not process through it. Or I, I felt or like that was tied up in a bow. Whatever. Yes, I, I disagree because I think that she was such an unreliable narrator because of this intergenerational trauma and, you know, her not, she really was not a good mom no. when, mm-hmm. when um, her daughter was a baby and a toddler and, and, and even beyond, like she just, she wasn't a good mom. So there was a lot of it that I thought, you know, maybe the husband's right. Like the, Maybe what the husband is not seeing is because it's not happening. It's mm. because it's in her head that she's this is a bad it. kid. Yeah. Like she's projecting it yeah. on her. She's just her mother all over again. And I think she was just so consistently unreliable and did so many crazy things. I mean, wearing a wig to a support group <laughs> in order to meet <laughs> to her meet. husband's new partner. It, yeah. You know, that was that was not something that a normal person would do. I no. mean, can you imagine wearing no. <laughs> a wig and showing up and like no. <laughs> But on the flip side, could you imagine, uh, I mean, he was not great either. No. Not only did he deny everything she said, he, who raises a child and keeps her entire life secret from the child's mother? Yeah. That's so unhealthy. You know, that's so dysfunctional and teaching dysfunction to an already dysfunctional child. So he was a freaking loser also in his own way. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And gaslighting her for so long about, you know, you're ridiculous. Violet isn't like this. And then like. Towards the end of the book, she finally has a conversation with him where he's like laughing. Oh, I'm just remembering something funny from when Violet was a little kid. Oh, remember when you couldn't find any of your good clothes? Oh, yeah. And they were blaming like a dry cleaner that 
it's or whatever the maid or something or the maid yeah, or something like, they were just yeah, sort yeah. of vaguely blaming someone about it oh well actually i found her in your closet and she cut up all your mm-hmm. clothes she was just sitting there patiently cutting them all up and he's like having a good laugh knowing that his wife has told him all of these different incidents yeah. that mm-hmm. were very troubling mm-hmm. and he has just com- continued to gaslight her mm-hmm. uh, that was like i just thought I hated him so much. Yeah, he was I hated a dick. him the most at the you know, end. It's interesting. You were just saying, like, who does that? Who uh, wears a wig? <laughs> the Thank you. Was like on one eye. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You're a pirate. I know. <laughs> um, like, who does that? Right. So maybe there is some sort of genetic disorder. Like, mom clearly is crazy. So maybe there's something to the fact that the child is clearly crazy too. Mm-hmm. Like maybe there is this whole generational, like they're all just fucked up. Well, another thing know. that I did not like is I, I thought the mother-in-law was a, like a life ring over and over again. Uh-huh. Yes. And she never grabbed it. And yeah. I thought you're an asshole. Yeah. If you need a mother figure, this woman is trying and you're giving her nothing. You're doing nothing for yourself. You're not trying to dig yourself out of this pattern. You're not trying to stop the cycle. Because if you were trying, you would have tried to have a relationship with this mother figure. Um, because that's how you heal broken pieces. But maybe she just wasn't able to do that either, which is also fucking depressing. Yeah. But I was like, come on, help yourself a little bit. Help yourself out a little bit. I I did not find her super redeeming. Yeah. As a main character, I couldn't find a lot of redemption in her. The redemption was not redemption. It was vindication, which is totally different. Yeah. Then, you know, she was finally vindicated for everything she said instead of. Right. Because now three kids are dead. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like that is. Yeah. It's not redeeming at all. No. I did not so, like her. But. um, So, Yeah. <laughs> I did actually enjoy reading the book, though. It was super easy and quick to read, I thought. And I mean, it's but, a great book club book, right? Oh, like, yeah. I'm yeah. so a glad we read book. it. Yeah. But because yes. it really it provokes good. a lot of opinions <laughs> and yeah. a lot of like I was reading it. The, I read it in February for my um, the grandmother's. Book yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my mom recommended it. And it was so great for that because it was like, oh, oh, my God, I can't wait to talk to you about this part. And um <laughs> Just it really provokes a lot of opinions. And I think that there's a lot of I found that there was a lot of nuance about what really happened. Like it was mm-hmm. never really clear because of the narrator who was telling it that you were like, OK, she doesn't have it all together. She's really struggling. So, you know, this kid who fell at the park, mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. he pushed? Did he fall? Mm-hmm. Did her daughter have anything to do with it? Right. There was such we we really don't know yeah. and nobody else yeah. saw anything so right. it was really conceivable that she was just she had just projected my kid is bad yep. because she didn't bond with the kid right and um then throughout and i just i love the title the push because mm-hmm. it literally started with the push when she pushed her daughter out she has a traumatic birth yeah yeah later she pushes her son out and it's an ecstatic birth yeah. and the push at the park. Yeah. The pu- like, there's all of these pushes, yeah. the push in the street. Everything was was a push. And I thought that was pretty ingenious. Yeah, it was very mm-hmm. smart. It was very smartly written, I thought. Yeah. Um, I just sometimes felt it was a little indulgent, but smart. Right. 
all of it. You're right. There was doubt planted yeah. throughout. You couldn't, there was no absolute anywhere. And that's an interesting book to read. Mm-hmm. It was never, I was never uninterested in the book ever. Right. I thought one thing that was also interesting that she did was that the two probably most likable characters to me were the mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Typically a mother-in-law is uh-huh. not a like, you know, it's a stereotypical, <laughs> not likable character. And then, and also the other woman, the woman who has an affair with her husband and becomes mm-hmm. her husband's new um, partner. Um, I thought that was really interesting because it, it always goes the other way. And of course you have a lot of reason to not like this woman who's having an affair with a married mm-hmm. man. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I liked that. Yeah, it was very mm-hmm. cool. Very yeah. smartly done. Um, I didn't think about that, but you're right. The two best characters, best in ethics and morals and behavior were usually the ones that are the worst. That's cool. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. Uh, Did it trigger anything from your own parenting? Like I just said, it triggered for me. Uh, I did not have trouble um, bonding. Um, but I did worry when um, Vivian was born and she was really early. She was in the NICU and um, I wasn't allowed to hold her for a long time. They, I, would, I could hold her for like a tiny little bit of each day, but mostly it was just sitting there and watching her in an incubator. And I thought, oh my God, like, is this going to traumatize her for life? Mm-hmm. Um, are we not going to have the bond that I have with Camille? Because I just held Camille all the time. Mm-hmm. And um And then when Vivian was like a sort of preschooler and on, she never wanted to be held the way that Camille did. Like Camille could have, I mean, I could have been wrapped her up in a bear hug and she would have fallen asleep that way every night. If, if she had her way, that's how she would have fallen asleep every night. Right. And if I tried to snuggle Vivian bedtime, she'd like be like, no, it's too warm. Like I need my space (laughs) or whatever. And I would have these moments of doubt where I thought, Oh, it's, it's because it's because of the hospital. It's because Mm -hmm. we didn't get to physically bond Mm -hmm. in that way. But I don't think that's true. I think they are two different people. (laughs) And you know, Vivian has just always been more independent and she's still kind of cuddly with me sometimes. And Mm -hmm. she's 13. And, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, but it did bring up like a little bit of that, of that feeling of like, what is this, what is it supposed to be like? And it's different than what it's supposed to be like. Mm-hmm. Well, my first childbirth was t- terrible. It was really traumatic. My second one was like delivering a feather. So I related <laughs> to that where I was like, yeah. oh, this is what it's supposed to be. Oh, well, why didn't I have that the first time? The first time was so traumatic. And then my recovery from that first time was so intense that I think I got started off traumatized. And so, and you don't have the space to process your own trauma Mm -hmm. when it's really rough, you know, and it was really rough. So, um, I'm sure women have had much worse, but, um, but I think that put me off on a, on the wrong foot. So for a lot of what she was talking about, about her post delivery of the first baby, I actually really did relate to because I thought Mm -hmm. I, I am so fucked up on the inside from what I just experienced that I, I can't, I I couldn't get connected to my own feelings properly 
Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Because you have to be caring for this infant that this is not their responsibility, but it's hard to, it was really hard to balance those two things. And I think it prolonged my trauma because I wasn't able to process it, you know, from having a botched epidural and the pushing for three and a half hours and tearing and stitches and being left in the room, you know, they, I delivered her and shift change happened and they turned the lights out on me. And I sat there for a long time all by myself, just shaking and shuddering. No one explained to me that the shaking and shuddering came from the epidural and the process and that this was normal. I just thought I was falling apart. Literally. I was in such bad shape. My friend Rumbly came to visit not long ago. She's been on the podcast before. She was our maid of honor. We were pregnant at the same time. Her daughter was due like three months after mine. She came really early, but she was very pregnant and she came to see me in the hospital and I was still shaking (laughs) and she left. She told me after that, she said, I left the hospital so freaked out. So I thought Leanne is the strongest, toughest. I like she could push a bus out of her vagina and she's trashed. (laughs) So Rumbly was like, what am I supposed to be doing? Oh my God, what's happening? She called her doctor and was like, I will have a C-section. I will be having a C-section. I'm not going through this. But I think I was really, really visibly, physically fucked Mm up. And, and then I didn't have, I mean, Bert left three days later. So I didn't have any way of being like, of like sobbing and, you know, it's not right to have a baby and just sob for two days. I feel like what I needed to do was sob for two days. And I just wouldn't let myself do that because mm-hmm. I have a new baby. I'm supposed to be happy. <laughs> All these people are coming to visit. All these people are here to see the baby. My dad's here. Could you imagine if my dad walked in and for two days I was sobbing? He would have no idea what that was about. And I was so busy trying to take care of all of these other people that I just stayed trashed for a long time, I think. The sobbing is normal, though, because that's just hormonal. But no one told me that. And I don't have an example of that. And I don't have a mom to buffer that. I, I didn't have that. And my aunt, bless her heart, who's a labor and delivery nurse, she sees this shit every day. So she's just like wiping shit around. And I'm like, I, I guess I'm supposed to be okay. And she didn't tell me, hey, you need to cry? Let's do it. And because I had the botched epidural, I had that really bad headache. So all we were doing was keeping me from having a headache. That was the whole focus was just lay down and just don't do anything. And just if you got to go to the bathroom, good luck. Is this going to suck? So I did relate to her in that feeling of this, like, what has just happened to me? Like, I felt like I was almost in a car accident or, um, it, it wasn't what I had anticipated at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, same. It was not, it was yeah. not what I anticipated. I don't yeah. think it is for anybody. I feel like it is, it's like hit, being hit by a bus. And even when it's a great experience, even when, yeah, your body yeah. still mm-hmm. is yeah. T- turned inside out and yeah. put right side Literally. in and then you're sent home <laughs> right yeah. with a baby. And there's not much support. You're right. Like the doctors yeah. where I did the, all of the shaking and the, the shivering and no, no doctor or nurse said, Oh, this is normal. Whatever. They're like, Oh, are you cold? Throw yeah, a blanket same. on me. Like, I was yeah. like, same. Okay. But <laughs> am I dying? The like, physical. I mean, yeah. it, I've never shook like that yeah. before in my life. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. It was like hypothermia shaking. Like, <laughs> it was, yeah. but you know, I've said this before on a podcast, but my friend, Noelle niece, who was pregnant after me, pregnant with twins, I sat down with her and I went, I'm going to tell you all the bad shit. 
because no one told me the bad shit and it really scared me. My sister-in-law gave me a heads up. She did? She did. No yes. one gave me a heads up. Yeah. I had no fucking idea. No. Wait, you mean I'm going to shit myself? Like, wait, I'm sorry. No one told me that. I throw up beforehand. Yeah. I did not. Why does no one talk about that? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I threw I up and no. I thought like, oh, do I have a virus? Right. And I'm like, about what to is get- happening? No. Yeah. <laughs> Like I threw up the entire kind of three and a half hours I pushed. I threw up yeah. or dry heaved while pushing. Like as yeah. soon as I push, I just go. <laughs> start again. Bleh. And then they were feeding me popsicles, which I would then throw up. I mean, it was awful. It was like, it was like your body was going, this should not be happening. <laughs> like, I know it should be happening, but yeah. this should not be happening. This is terrible. But I don't understand when you go to Lamaze class, they're all like, and the cloud. Yeah. will come down and the baby will float out. And, and you're like, oh, <laughs> fucking shit. Right. That is not what happened. <laughs> happened. I would have rather had a tractor hooked to my asshole and ripped apart. I mean, practically. It was so bad. But I don't know why, as a society, we don't talk about that. Like your mm-hmm. sister-in-law, kindly, and I did for yes. Noel Niece. I was like, you're going to smell like rotting meat for six weeks. <laughs> have fun with that. Not everybody does. I did. Right. And that was traumatizing because sitting here in this chair, yeah. I would be able to smell myself. Yeah. Ugh. And I didn't know for sure that you're smelling me because if I can <laughs> smell me just sitting here, clothes on, everything clean, everybody's smelling me. Fart. Oh, farts would drop out of me <laughs> at all times. I did. I remember one time being in line at Target and it just went... <laughs> and I turned around and went, I'm so sorry. I just recently had a baby. Like, I'm so sorry. They fall out for like a year. And then I got pregnant again like an asshole. And then I have farts falling out of me again. My friend, uh, Push. No, it wasn't Push. It was Rumbly. Who I told her, I was like, I, I have a permanent butt stamp. I can wipe my ass 800 times and I will still have shit on my panties every time. It's I just started calling it the ass stamp. I'm just going to ass stamp every pair of panties I own and I'm going to have to buy new panties every six weeks because I'm tired of washing the ass stamp out of my panties. No one told me that my asshole would leak, right? <laughs> it was ridiculous. Did that happen to you? No. Oh, I, don't I had an ass now. stamp. Literally. I would wipe and wipe and wipe and wipe. And it would never be clean ever. Like 15 times I'd wipe, not clean. At a certain point I go, fuck it. I got to get, move on. I got a baby crying in the other room. And then of course I'd have an ass stamp in my panties. It was so bad. So this doesn't make you want to have sex. This doesn't make you want to hang out with your friends when you smell like rotting meat and you're stamping your ass all over everything. No, no thongs anymore. Have a second baby. For sure. Have a second baby. I didn't have the ass stamp with a second baby. I didn't have the rotting meat with a second baby. Yeah. I had a very similar experience. The first one was so freaking traumatic. And then accidentally we had baby number two. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, thank God. Cause if it weren't, you know, unplanned, I'm not sure we would have had baby. <laughs> Mine was planned. But I Mine. mean, you know, she was planned eventually. Not yeah. At yeah. that particular moment. Right. 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 But yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, totally different. It, kind of like this book uh-huh. where like the first time you're like, oh my God, what the hell were we thinking? Why did we do that? That was terrible. Mm-hmm. And the second time you're like, oh, huh. All right. I we, know how to uh, do that this. That was done. Okay. That was two hours. Boom. We're, we got a baby. Same. Um, it was, yeah, it was very, very different. 
So why do you think your body does that? Why does the body go into absolute anarchy sometimes for one baby and not the other? Well, I think it's that there's no muscle memory with the first. The first one is, it is more traumatic on your body. Mm -hmm. And then the second Mm -hmm. time it's like, they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I've done this. Like these muscles have loosened before this, these contractions. I know what this feels like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Can you believe that women would have nine babies? Yeah. <laughs> my mother-in-law is one of nine. Both my grandparents. Since, yeah. My mom's one of, one of nine. Forget it. Could you imagine doing that nine times? No. no. I mean, although if it were like the second one, you understand how that nine happens. times, Kathy, nine. No, I'm not saying I want to. I'm nine? just saying you can understand how it would happen. I, ca- I cannot. <laughs> I cannot understand how that would happen. I cannot. That nine, six even. Bert's I mean, cousin Andrew's one of six, and I'm like six all boys. Yeah. Boy, that was a rowdy house. I bet they didn't have a <laughs> complete piece of furniture for the first fifteen years, right? <laughs> it's all broken. Um, anyway, yeah, I yeah. really related to her a lot in ways that I did not enjoy. Like, mm-hmm. so I can't say I super enjoyed the book because I was like, oh, that makes me feel really bad about myself. Oh, that makes me feel really bad about myself. Oh, I don't like that feeling at all. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of that. And of course, having a mom who's not there, and mm-hmm. even though it's not the same, it's kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and not having a roadmap. So I don't. I wouldn't say it was a hard book for me to read, but I can't really say that I enjoyed it. Like I would never read it again because I don't really want to feel those feelings again, mm-hmm. but I'm glad I read it. It was interesting. so interesting. I, so I read it for this, the grandmother's book club and I reread it for this book club. It's the first time that I've read the same book twice in like a six month period. It, I mean, maybe ever, or at least since college probably. Mm-hmm. And, um, I enjoyed it. I, I mean, it's dark. Um, maybe I just like darker things, but also it wasn't as triggering for me because mm-hmm. I didn't, have some of the it it makes sense that it was triggering for you yeah it was. um but yeah i got a um an instagram message from sophia who recommended the last book that we did or one of the the ones that we did and who said i did not like this book <laughs> <laughs> sophia did not like she that. said i'm looking forward to hearing the book club but uh no <laughs> she didn't like the book yeah well, I mm-hmm. like that we didn't read something that was like, like tied up in a bow, mm-hmm. like in a happy ending kind of way. Um, I, I like that it wasn't that kind of typical. It's definitely not a happy. It's not a happy, happy book at all. No, it's not, not a happy all. book. There's not a lot of happy, any happy. Only when she has her baby boy. That's the mm-hmm. only happy in the book. But also, and it's, it's so interestingly written with the mm-hmm. first person or second person and the different perspectives and uh, there was a lot of good about the book. It was a really interesting read. It was an off the beaten path sort of read. Um, but yeah, it, I guess it did trigger a lot for me. That's a good word. It was very triggering for me. So I don't know if I'll ever read it again. I could definitely yeah. see it um, becoming like a, a TV show. It, or, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. I thought that too. I, I could see this yeah. as a movie or a series or yeah. something. For sure. Uh, yeah. I'd read it again. Like you would? in a few years, I would. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't triggering for me either. I mean, now that we're talking about it, it's interesting because when you say you didn't have a roadmap, 
I think about how, um, I was terrified. I was convinced I was only having boys and that's what I wanted. I did not want a girl. I was terrified. I was like, I can't do a girl. I'm going to fuck her up. And I am terrified. Um, so of course, when we found out we were having a girl, I was like, Oh my God, this is not part of the plan. Um, and feeling like you don't have a roadmap. Like, how do I do this so that I don't end up becoming me? Yeah. (laughs) Like she doesn't become me. You know what I mean? So, uh, there's nothing wrong with you, Kathy, but I think what, well, you I know, know what, what I you mean, mean. like yes. the there's whole, nothing wrong like, with relationship that, yeah. you know, my relationship with my mom, like I didn't yeah. want that for her. Yeah, yeah, I totally. definitely don't want that. You want to repeat so, a cycle. Correct. You just, that's, um, that's all you wanted not to repeat a cycle. Yeah. So I get it. I yeah. thought I was having boys too. I was like, I'd be the perfect mom yeah. for boys. Me like, and boys, boys. <laughs> we are like peas and carrots. My best friends in high school, <laughs> boys. I went to Florida with boys. I'm always with boys. My dad's a boy. I, you know, I hung with boys. Um, and uh, yeah, first one was a girl. They're like, I see a hamburger. I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> well, you either get a hamburger or a hot dog. And I was like, fuck. Yeah. I got a hamburger. Damn it. <laughs> we Shit. didn't find out. We told them at the, the ultrasound both times that we did not want to find out. We were like, you know what? It's a happy surprise either way. And yet every random stranger who approached me in the street, we were like, oh, you're having a boy, right? And it was like, I, I don't know. We, you know, I, I don't know. Oh yeah. You definitely, because <laughs> you know, the way that I carried the way my sister, yeah. Yeah, yeah. everyone and her mother, no yeah. one ever predicted girl. And I have two girls. Yeah, my grandmother told me my ass was big, so I was having a boy. And I was like, I I think just my ass ass was Max. Oh my God. I had a huge ass. Yeah, I think just my ass was big. (laughs) It still still is. But I'm also like, you know, you have a 50 50 shot. So, like, it's pretty, it's such an absurd, like, proclamation to go like, and people would say, like, oh, I've never been wrong. And I'm like, you know, how many of these random strangers, like, you will never see me again. So, you don't know if you're wrong. A fortune teller, right? Like, everyone is a fortune teller when you're pregnant. Everybody. That's the truth. And so funny. That's really funny. Well, what do you have on your list of our questions? Is um, there anything we didn't discuss? Well, this is just one that Holy I... Holy cow! It, oh, you printed no, it. No, I, I just printed okay. up the reader's guide. Um, uh, Thank you for doing that, by the way. <laughs> I'm just... Talk amongst yourselves. I'll find a good one. Here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I mean, we kind of went into this, but nature versus nurture is a big theme mm-hmm. in this book. Mm-hmm. Are we born or are we made? And especially when children turn out to be violent or dangerous, how much blame lies with the way they are raised? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> well, I think Violet, Violet was, maybe didn't have a connection with her mom, but she definitely, I don't feel was like, super abused or right. I don't think she was raised to be violent violent she had a connection right. with her dad yeah. yeah um yeah maybe but, a bit indulgent but yeah but there was There's definitely some parenting moments that could have been a lot different but I, she certainly wasn't raised in a household that saw violence or uh, treated people that way you know for their faults they were not so then mean to others the alternative you know? to that is like epigenetics where Maybe it's just this, you know, transferred down from the grandmother and the great grandmother. Um, That's like that's a new study that that um, our environment actually does get transferred down in genes. Yes, it does. Yeah. Takes two generations to grow out 
trauma is what I've been told. So like Holocaust survivor, that trauma is passed on genetically for two generations Mm -hmm. after. Um, I read that a long time ago. So yeah, I mean, I think it's a long term. That's been a long term psychological study, but it Mm -hmm. is a more recent and I mean, recent, like maybe 20 years or something. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of actual genetics. genetics. Yeah. That's what Um, I'm talking about, too, is the genetics, not because their behavior is different because of the Holocaust, but the what it does to your physical genetics passes down. I, I read something about that a long time ago. Yeah. So that seems like Violet was probably the way that she was because of this. Um, because of this intergenerational trauma, but then it also makes you wonder like when a child doesn't bond, when the mother doesn't bond to the child mm-hmm. and she was very, Blythe was really intentional mm-hmm. about letting her cry, suffer a yeah. little. Yeah. Um, and cruel. That, yes. Mm-hmm. Cruel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like that time when Fox comes home and it's 4:45 and he and Violet is screaming yeah. uncontrollably and he's like she wakes up from her nap like clockwork 3 o'clock every day she's been screaming for an hour and 45 minutes and like what that does to a person yeah at that age that was that was really hard to forgive the narrator yeah, yeah, it was very hard to forgive the narrator for that because I remember having times where I go, I'm just going to take two more seconds before I walk in there. But an hour and 45 minutes <laughs> is totally different. It is totally different. Is totally different. Right. <laughs> and you know, when, yeah. now that you say that, when my kids were little, George and I went to a like Jimboree type place. It was not Jimboree. It was somewhere in, in Hollywood, um, like a privately owned single place. There was a mom there who had adopted a boy from Russia and he he was so dis desensitized he was four maybe and she had adopted him fairly recently and I guess she said um the conditions there were so bad that they would just let them scream for hours and hours and hours and hours and he was like a robot I mean he was like no other kid I'd ever seen and he was quite violent and the owner of this Jimboree type place was um very good about and the mom was very good about going to everybody and going, this is what's going on. <laughs> uh-huh. This kid is not normal and this is why. And then all of us could kind of go, oh, okay, well, we'll just parent around that. You know, we, we have to kind of help. You can't shun this kid. It's not his fault. Yeah, right. But you have to protect you have to your kid. your own kid yeah. safe. So I'll just keep a super close eye on him when he's near my kid. Other than that, he's you're on duty. <laughs> That's the way I felt about it. I'm not going to police him with other people's kids necessarily unless it is something that's obvious I could do, but it was really heartbreaking because he was like the term dead inside. Mm -hmm. He was dead inside. That kid was just like void vacant. And I thought, how do you recover? How do you build that? Um, Probably more extreme than what Violet had. Violet had a parent who was plugged in a grandmother who was very plugged in. She had people in her life, but the mom wasn't the way she was supposed to be. It was heartbreaking to have the mom be so in love with the second baby. Yeah. yeah. You think this first baby, no matter her violent tendencies, really got the shit into the stick. Yeah. Yeah. And for Violet yeah. to see her mom mm-hmm. so bonded. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it's yeah. obvious when you see a yes. parent bonded to their kid. It's really obvious and um, how hurtful that would have been to yeah. her. Um, and how it might make her a psychopath. You know, 
<laughs> are psychopaths born or are they made? That's yeah. the question. Well, there definitely were contributing factors in her case. Yeah, for sure. So, um, Okay, so one of these questions is about um, Blythe and her early relationship with Fox. I had nothing when I met you and you effortlessly became my everything. Mm. So what did you think about the quality of their relationship from the outset? Is there something dangerous about a love that is all consuming and addictive? I had strong feelings about that. I was like, she was so obsessed with him and she really didn't have anything else. She didn't Mm -hmm. have a family. She didn't have really friends or whatever. So he was everything to her. And it was almost as if the baby got in the way of that. Like when she was in labor, she was saying, no, I don't want to push. I don't want to push um, because she didn't, she didn't want that. She, she, she wanted want life to change. Yeah. Right. Well, she wanted for him to always, uh, um, she wanted always to be the most important to him and for him to be the most important to her. So it was almost like she resisted Violet because she just wanted the dad to be the most important thing to her. And that is, you know, it's like a tricky thing. Like people talk about, you know, whether their kids are more important to them or their husband or whatever. And I think that's kind of, I I don't really think it's a very helpful conversation because they're both really important to me and um, they need to be, and they need to be sort of more important to me at different times developmentally, mm-hmm. like depending mm-hmm. on what everybody needs and Mm -hmm. I love them all. But, um, at the same time from the outside looking in, I was like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't going to end well. This is not a healthy dynamic. Well, at no point should any of them be all encompassing, right? Like that's not particularly healthy. Like maybe as a newborn and you have no choice, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it, no one person should be like that. You need some sort of diversity in your life or you can't survive. That's right. Yeah, it was doomed for failure. Yeah. Because she, listen, when I was young and I was very love deprived, I fell head over heels. I'm going to marry lots of guys that I was marrying them like week one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then three months later, it's over. And usually it was over because of me. So, Like I would be like, I'm bored moving on, not because I'd done something, you know, crazy just because I'd like, oh, yeah, I'm over that. But the in the beginning, I this was it for sure. And I remember meeting this guy that I really thought was it. And he um, lived in California and I lived in New York and I met him in New York. And when he flew back to L.A., I was in that beginning phase where I thought, He's it. And I fell completely apart, like totally fell apart. And it made me stop myself and go, why would that happen? You just met this guy like literally a week ago. And now you're in pieces because he left. Something's wrong. Like you are here for the wrong thing. So I just needed to be loved Mm -hmm. so much that I created this intensity to kind of fill that hole that would never be filled with that intensity. It's going to be filled with something more real. And I just didn't understand that until that one guy flew back to LA. I literally, I was so upset that I couldn't really comprehend why I was so upset. It was one of those moments where you're like, this really doesn't add up. 
you know? So maybe I should start adding this up and see why I am, I am distraught. Um, so I feel like she had no self-reflection in that way. Well, she, and right? she repeated the cycle with her son. Yes. Right. He became all encompassing, yes. like no one else mattered once he came into the picture. Yeah. And because he's an infant and a child, he doesn't know any better. He can lap it up that role yeah. without even knowing that that's what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think those she, people who are deprived have really, really difficult times with um, healthy relationships. I, my, my relationship is somewhat healthy. But it's not the healthiest relationship on the planet. I definitely, definitely do a lot more caretaking than I ha- receive. Uh, and because Bert, as lovely as he is in many ways, is pretty fucking oblivious to what I need most of the time. And he's only concerned with what he needs most of the time. So that's not super healthy either. But for most of the time, it works fine because I'm just not used to. I don't I don't think I understand what that kind of love looks like. So which sometimes makes me frustrated with myself because I go, well, shouldn't I want some more balance? I don't I don't want it enough to require it. It's too much trouble. <laughs> it's too much trouble. I can't course correct that guy super easily. <laughs> He's a little hard to steer. So I think I just go, oh, well, this is the love I understand. So we'll just keep going this way until until at some point I don't want to do this anymore. And when it means enough, I'll course correct, you know. So I don't know. And that's directly related to my dysfunction, how I was brought up, you know, 100%. That's why our relationship, one of the main reasons our relationship works is because I grew up in a really broken way. And so I found this broken thing that kind of works, you know, we less, glued the wheels less broken on. Than yes, less broken. Yeah. We can, it can go down the road, you know, <laughs> it might have a flat tire here and there, but we get it down the road. So I don't know. Anyway, that reminded me of something in the book that, um, and it also reminded me of Oprah, something I heard on Oprah years <laughs> ago when she's, maybe it was Maya Angelou who said, when somebody tells you who they are, believe them. Yeah. The first mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And it's really easy to, especially when you're younger and have stars in your eyes and are in love and whatever, to just go, oh yeah, but like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or whatever. And not realize, no, this is, they are telling you who they are. And I think that Blythe really tried to tell him who she was and tried to explain mm-hmm. her family dynamic and and she tried to have a conversation with him about her fear of it, of that trauma affecting the way she raises their kids. And, um, but I think when she's still pregnant and Fox really brushed her off, yeah, um, yeah. repeatedly and was like, yeah, yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah. Like you'll yeah. be fine. And it's like, you'll be fine is not helpful. <laughs> no, it's not helpful when somebody is reaching out. No. Right. No, he, he really didn't get it. Yeah, he no, really dropped all. the ball consistently. Yeah. He didn't get it on so many levels. Yeah. He really didn't get it. And um, I am sure that is true for so many people where they're mm-hmm. patronized and patted on the head and, you know, patted on the tush and sent along and not heard. Or, hey, this is really not working. I'm really concerned. Um, I actually had that conversation with Bert before we got married. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no roadmap. I am really concerned that I'm going to really screw it up. 
So, and his response was, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out together. So I was like, okay, uh, that's, that's something my dad would say. So <laughs> I could go with that. We'll figure it out together. Um, anyway. Um, okay. This one I think is interesting. Do you think Fox ever lied about not believing Blythe in order to protect Violet? If so, do you think trying to protect his daughter was a good enough reason to doubt his wife? I did. I wondered how much he actually was having the same concerns because it, his words said he was not having the same concerns mm-hmm. as her that no, she's a little girl. She's fine. You are demented for thinking that. But I, it did make me wonder if he just allowed her to be the scapegoat that he had those thoughts but that he was sort of devil's advocate when she voiced those thoughts. I think there's something wrong with her. It allowed him to go into protective father mode and go, no, she is a child. And um, that he just sort of scapegoated her with that because there were so many signs. But again, you know, it's an unreliable narrator. So we don't know. We didn't hear his point of view, but Except um, you brought up the clothing. Yeah. Where like exactly. he caught yeah. his yeah. daughter doing something that is completely not normal or acceptable or and violent, you know, and he just brushed that under the rug, didn't even bother to tell mom about it until years later. When he's you know? laughing about it, right? Though. So he's he laughing about it like, oh, kids. It. Yeah. He's out of his he, mind. Yes. He's totally oblivious. And he's I think he just lived his life in the path of least resistance. Yeah. And he chose the path of least resistance over and over again, including sleeping with his secretary yeah. mm-hmm. um, and falling in love with her. It was all just, was just sort of, easy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, everything, whatever, just whatever happens, lap. I'll yeah. just go I don't it. like, and it was such a classic, yeah. like, I don't like what's happening at home. So, uh-huh. okay. I'm going to go yeah. over here. Yeah. Oh, look, this is right here. Oh, yeah. okay. This is yeah. much easier. Yeah. So let's just do that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Path of least resistance. Yeah. I didn't like him. I was not a fan of him at all. No, I'm not a fan. Um, okay. Well, I, this was, this was an interesting one. This is sort of like tied up in this last question, but when Fox tells her Violet wasn't always easy, but she deserved more from you and you deserved more from me. It's like the one time that he acknowledges any culpability in it. Um, but yeah, obviously Violet deserved a lot more. Yeah, she did. Despite whatever she did. Yeah, she did. Um, you know, it's hard when you have a kid that really pushes back, you know, mm-hmm. like there was a period with Isla where she, I felt like, I don't think she really felt this way, but I felt like the surface feeling of Isla was if mom disappeared from the planet, that would be so much better for me. I could eat unlimited Oreos. <laughs> I could drink soda all the time. I could totally blow off my homework. I would not have to clean my room or brush my teeth. And how much better would life be? Like that was, uh, it was like middle school. Mm -hmm. And I understood that this is the way life works. She doesn't really feel that way about me. But over six or eight months of feeling that she really feels that way, even though I knew she really doesn't, it kind of sucks for the other person. Cause you're like, what the fuck? There's nothing I could, I could, I could discipline her. I could yell at her. I could have sweet talks with her. I could cry and tell her my deepest feelings. Nothing affected change in her. Not one thing. It was the same bullshit every day. And at a certain point, I just go, 
we're just going to have to, it's just going to have to work itself out. But so I understood that piece of, of Blythe not knowing what to do mm-hmm. and nothing working. And this kid being so kind of diabolical that there's nothing she could do that would work. Like even if she did the right thing, then Violet would pivot it into the wrong thing. That's what I felt was happening. Yeah, like for example, when she did the right thing, like volunteered for the school field trip. Yeah. And then Violet used that as an opportunity to say, fuck you. You don't get to be a good mom. (laughs) Yep. Um, I think that what you just said was really important, Leanne, because I think that when I tell people that I have teenagers, it's like, oh, teenagers, oh, teenage (laughs) girls or whatever. Everybody gives you the same sort of thing. But that's based in... To me, it always feels based in like, oh, dating, like drinking, like whatever the typical like and typical. I'm saying like what what was the 80s, right? (laughs) 80s movie version of teenage behavior, (laughs) you know? And um, and I'm always like that has no bearing in my life today as no bearing in my life during a pandemic. (laughs) Right. It's just my kids are living a very different teenage lives than we did yes, for sure. in the eighties, yeah. not in a pandemic yeah. in a different city, all of that. But what is really hard about parenting teenagers is yeah. The constant, um, the, I don't like you mm-hmm. feeling. And even when they're not saying, I don't like you just the disrespect, even when mm-hmm. it's on a very micro level mm-hmm. of just like in a minute, like even if it's yeah. just the constantly I got it. Yeah. I got it, mom. Yeah, yeah. In a minute. Yeah. Whatever it like the very the most innocuous stuff that even though in my big moments early in the day <laughs> when I'm well rested, <laughs> I can go, Oh yeah, that's this is typical. This is developmental. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> got it. I and got then it. by the time like 8 30 rolls around and I'm tired and I, you know, it's just there's so much buildup and it feels like just a minute, just a minute. It feels like a fuck you and die. Like yeah, it yeah. feels like a much bigger thing. Yeah, yeah. And it really wears you down. And I remember um, my neighbor, Mel, who I was very close to, I am very close to, um, but they moved. Um, when her daughter was a teenager, her daughter is six years older than Camille. Mm-hmm. And um, when she was a, t- a teenager, Mel would just say to me, she'd say, I honestly don't know if I can survive this, Kirsten. And I'd say, oh, for God's sake, (laughs) get over it. Teenagers are going to be rude. Whatever. I was not a good friend to her. I would say, Mel, come on. Get over it. This is developmentally appropriate. This is what she's supposed to be doing. She's separating from you. And I texted her a little while ago and I said, I apologize. I'm like, I don't know if I, some days I honestly don't feel like I will survive it. I I totally understand where she's coming from because it's all of these, it's like microaggressions. Yeah. yeah. All of these microaggressions that chip away at you all day long. And like my kids are good kids. Yeah. yeah. Easy kids, Yeah, but they're teenagers. And so it's like one more eye roll or like, (laughs) (sighs) yeah, that just, it makes me lose my mind at a certain point. I'm like, okay, well, I'm a middle-aged woman. So I'm like invisible in society. It's not like, <laughs> you know, being a hot 20 something where everybody's like, Ooh, look at her, look yeah, at her yeah. go, or whatever. Nobody notices me. And so then to also not be noticed in my own home yeah. mm-hmm. by the time eight thirty at night rolls around 
it is too much. And right. I'm like, I, I understand at such a root level what she was talking about. Yeah, like, totally. I don't know if I will survive this. I hate to do this. I have to see if this is my delivery. So of course, this morning I get a phone call saying, you're going to get a delivery in the middle of this podcast. Oh, the window starts in the podcast and then ends way after I'm like, surely, surely. It's only like the first half hour, surely. And of course they're here right now. So what should we do? Will you talk amongst yourselves for a minute and let me go get them started and then we can wrap it up? Is that okay? Yeah, sure. I feel too abrupt. I feel like this is too abrupt of an ending. So talk amongst yourselves. Keep talking about the book. I'll be right back. I'm sorry. It's my dressers. I ordered them. Like, Why do you, you need a dresser? Well, Kathy, do you feel like that about I have the, nothing to say about the, the book. teenage? Um, um, yeah, stuff? I do. It's funny. Um, I actually felt that way about Lily a few years ago more than I do right now. Yeah, I um, think 13 is the uh, 11, hard. 12, 13 for the girl. I was like, oh, I am not going to make it through. Um, and then there's been a shift. However, I will tell you, Stephen, 1000% feels that way with her right now. He is like, she hates me. She wishes I was dead. She does not like, (laughs) she can't even be like, she can't even say hello to me. It's not entirely accurate, but she definitely has a very, uh, different relationship. It is definitely more, there's more eye rolls towards him than towards me. That's interesting. Um, I think we're having the same experience where I'm finding the 13 year old, the vacillating between lovey uh and eye rolls to be more of, to be more earth shattering. And then Camille is also more directs more of her irritation at Richard right now. Oh, interesting. As a 16 year old. Yeah. No, Max directs it more towards me, (laughs) (laughs) but he actually has sort of, he's sort of moving out of it. God, I hope that's true. Um, it was definitely worse before. Um, and it was definitely worse more during the pandemic. I think the fact that they're out in the world a little bit more now has helped. Totally. Um, I know it's hard to separate what it is hard to separate. Yeah. Like, cause I don't even know what's developmentally appropriate anymore. Cause yeah, I feel like there's a year that didn't happen, but it did happen. Yeah. And like, what is like a developmental problem? And I'm like, well, yeah, of course they're like, socially delayed now everybody's socially delayed now because right but what does that actually anyone. mean where are they supposed to be at developmentally like i don't know yeah. really yeah i don't know it's tricky fucking yeah. pandemic yeah um, i don't know we'll see what happens i don't know it's very uh yeah i don't know i also wonder if like the girl boy dynamic is a different thing um, having a boy definitely is different. You know, he's on a different path, so to speak. He's a different kind of kid just based on gender. Right. So I know. And it's so hard to tell, like, because I only have girls, but they're really different. Yeah. They're right. Just, they're not even remotely the same kid. Yeah. And for a lot of different reasons, but even stuff like even academically, Camille's a great writer. She's really struggles. She has a, a learning disability in math. Discalcula, something, discalcula, discalcula. I don't she know. It's a calculator. Um, <laughs> and um, Vivian is her hands down. Her favorite subject is science. Uh-huh. And she wants to go into either biology or geology, or she likes earth sciences and living yeah. sciences. She'd be like a vet. 
Uh, I could see that. <laughs> That's what she wanted to. That was her uh, preschool and kindergarten goal. Oh, like yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> She's being a vet. And then we sort of pushed it too far because we were like, Viv the vet. Like, <laughs> and then she got sick of it and she was like, I don't want to be a vet anymore. She loves animals. So right. she may, God she only may knows end what'll up happen. being a vet. Right. So. <laughs> just don't talk about it yeah (laughs) don't mention it um yeah yeah it's I mean so much of that too and well I think about the book too like she also had two different kids like it wasn't yes just about there's like firstborn versus the second experience there's also girl versus boy there's also just they're two different people and they are I mean you really do see different personalities practically from birth um and that was really eye-opening to me when I had my kids because I was a hundred percent of course like this is so funny to say now because I had no children had no great uh experience with infants or Uh anything but I really believed that it was all nature it was all um nurture Uh that nature didn't have anything to do with things and then you have a baby and you're like oh like (laughs) I'm just here like I'm just providing providing like food and right whatever, yeah. like they are who they are. And of course, like that can be exacerbated or, or improved upon with nurture, but they really are who they are. Yeah. Um, it really shifted my, my thinking on that. I was. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is remarkable. It is sometimes a head scratcher where you're like, okay, they have the same genetic makeup. They're brought up in the same yes. household, the same experiences and same they rules <laughs> could not be more different. Yeah. Like everything is, yeah, there it's like they didn't, they don't have the same genetics or they're not brought yeah, up in yeah. the same household. You know, that is what it is. Yeah, I know. It's uh, funny because we think about that with, with our dogs. Obviously they're not, there's <laughs> hopefully no genetic similarities. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Um, but there. You do get a dog based on your personality though, right? Like I swear yeah. to God, our dog fits in our family perfectly. Yeah. I don't know how that happens. I don't know if some of that is just dogs being natural people pleasers. So they really can adapt themselves to the family. But yeah, you're right. I mean, but it's funny because our Millie, our larger dog is, we always say she's a sensitive dog. (laughs) Like, (laughs) because if I swear at all, and I mean, I can literally, I could be reading a book on the couch, very, I'm completely quiet and I could go, shit. Like literally just whisper it that quietly and she comes running over and will put her paw on (laughs) my leg and look up at me with her big eyes. And she knows that I'm concerned about something. And I'm like, okay, it's not a big deal. I was just surprised by something in the book. It's calm down, Millie. But um, she knows what swearing is. Like she knows all the swear words (laughs) and she's concerned. She's deeply concerned. Pepper is not concerned about the swear words and she's not nearly as sensitive, but she's very, very sensitive to noises. So like when, you know, fireworks or, mm-hmm. um, if the, she, she howls like a wolf when, um, fire trucks go by, especially okay. if they also lay on the horn while the sirens are going mm-hmm. as soon as you can see her, like she's about to do it, she's about to do it. And then they lay on the horn and then she just, <laughs> like she puts her head back and it literally looks like a wolf and she's like 10 pounds. Yeah. She's a 10 <laughs> she's pound a wolf. baby. <laughs> <laughs> and That's I just think funny. it's interesting because it's also like 
you know, nature versus obviously nature. Who knows? Yeah, right. <laughs> who knows? They're oh, different breeds. Right. They're, you got what you got. <laughs> you get what you get. Yeah. But then the nurture aspect of like in this family, one of our dogs cannot handle swearing. <laughs> Maybe that should be a note to me that I should like clean up my language. Right. <laughs> yeah. Our dog is attention deficit and super cuddly. Like that just fits perfectly with the family. Like my children are psychotic and love to cuddle. Like, so I don't know. I just got a third one, apparently. Like she's a lunatic. And then like, we'll just snuggle all day long with you. I'm like, okay, you belong here, clearly. And she's ridiculously cute. And she's pretty dang cute. Yeah. <laughs> and psychotic. <laughs> so well, anyway. So yeah, I don't with, know. with your college, um, uh, exploration with Max. Obviously, Max is the more pressing concern. Because yeah, because he's a senior. But are, is Lily sort of feeding into that at all? Um, yeah, she's decided she's not going to college. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, what happened during this pandemic? My like super high achiever. I have to get straight A's. Like meltdown if I get an A minus. Like this pandemic. She's like, whatever, doesn't matter. I'm not going to college. I was like, oh my god. So what does she want to do then? Because this will all change. Like, of course, I'm not sure that it will, quite frankly. Okay. But what does Uh, she want to do? She wants to be an actress. Oh, okay. Well, then that's fair enough. Um, And she actually, interestingly, she came to us a few weeks ago and was like, sat us down and said, "Um, I want to, I really want to be an actress. This is what I'm going to do with my life. I want to start now. I know that I need an agent. I know that I need um, a manager. I need headshots. This is how I think we should go about getting it. And I was like, I'm not ready for this. <sighs> like, first of all, this is my worst nightmare ever. This is the last thing I ever want you to do with your life. And I have your brother who I can't even get to look at a school. Like what the hell is going on? Um, and she was super mature about it. And it's just like, this is it. And she's really wanted to do this for a very long time. And basically we came back with, okay, I appreciate that you're so mature and that this is it. And we will help you do this. However, we are not willing to take college off the table. I do not believe, I understand if you don't want to go, the traditional like four years, go live in a dorm, whatever. But I am unwilling to say that you don't need a college education. You want to do it part-time. You want to go to community college. You want to do whatever, fine. But I really strongly believe that you should have at least some sort of degree. Well, there are so some that great two-year and four-year programs for yeah. theater. Like you, yeah, totally. she could get a bachelor's in theater from she, great colleges. I mean, Yale yeah. drama, like, hello. Yeah, she you could know. do a number of things. But I was like, you can't just throw that out. You're 15 years old. We're not. I'm not willing to go there yet. But I am willing to say, like, it doesn't have to be what your brother is thinking about doing. It. I don't. I don't care about that actually. But you know, you have this very naive view (laughs) and lack of understanding about what it really means to be an actress, a working actress. Like it is not as easy as you think. And I know you see a lot, but you don't really see the other side of it. And you're 15 and I don't expect that. However, I do think it's important for you to have something else to fall back on at some point in your life. So, well, and not even like, it's like, I remember because that's the route that I went, Uh although I did do a four year degree before I went to uh, theater school. But um, when I heard fall back on, I was like, 
Yeah, you have no I try not to say me. that. Yeah. But I didn't realize that fall back on is like, yeah, most actors, aside from people who have their own TV show, but even those that do, sometimes mm-hmm. they can't get a, a job for a long time. Most actors have a day job. Sometimes their day job is a night job because, right, right. you know, to support it. But they have a regular income. Most authors have a day job. Right. Most like people with books out right now have a day job like right. most do. And that's something that's kind of new to me. It was like, oh, but, you know, <laughs> this great book, there are very few who are really making that their sole income. So that I wish that somebody had underlined that to me, that it's like, oh, it's not about us not having confidence in you. Right. It's that everybody like, you know, that I wish that I could have like heard from like, oh, well, this person that you've seen in this movie or whatever, like people that you're like, oh, well, they should be the oh, quote, yeah, that person, overnight success. Exactly. That right. person is rich and famous. Oh, mm. no, they maybe still have a day job right. or whatever. That's um, that is one of the things she's not interested in that. Actually, she doesn't care about being famous like she's not. She just really loves the art of acting like loves it. And she has been taking this acting class. Um And honestly, she is so freaking happy in it. And she said to me, like, mom, you don't understand. Like, even when I'm with my closest friends, it's not the same as when I'm with these group of people that understand. It's just different. And I love it. I'm like, fuck. Don't say fuck. There's no reason to say fuck. You know why? Um, I was going to get my four-year degree and didn't graduate and then decided I would take an acting class just for fun. And I really enjoyed it. I loved it. I moved to New York City and I took, a, I'm a Meisner trained actor. I took a two-year Meisner program mm-hmm. um, and I learned volumes about myself and the world and people and personalities and character and story. And that's when I started going, huh, maybe I should write. And that's uh-huh. where I started writing. So I think The fear sometimes in a lot of people is what's the end game instead of what's the journey, because I never would have thought my end game would have been, I write, I help Bert produce a lot of stuff. I have my own podcast. I also built a house um, and we're doing okay. Financially, we're doing okay. And not a lot of that is my direct income, but I am directly affecting our income. Mm -hmm. So that would have never have been my, see, it's funny. I'm terrified of the journey. I'm why? because she's 15. It is such a terrible world. Like there's so many pariahs in this industry. There's so much based on your looks and not your actual talent. Someone's going to tell her she needs to lose weight. Do you know what I mean? Like there's such a seedy underbelly of this environment that yeah. I don't want her yes, to Yes, although you know what? She's getting into it at the right time. Like I me need to too has happened. There's but, so much less the tolerance is yeah. less than there no, was no, no. when I we have were. something actually to say about that. Here's what I have to say. When I moved to New York City, I, fr- to LA from New York, my acting teacher called a very big agent here, really big agent, and mm-hmm. said, I have this really talented actress. I'd like for you to meet with her. I met with him. And he let me blabble on because I was super nervous because I knew Mm -hmm. he was a really big deal and just watched me. And at the end of it, he went, you have a choice to make. You can gain 25 pounds or you can stop eating lunch and start smoking cigarettes because you're too fat to be an ingenue and you're not fat enough to be a best friend. So you got to make a choice. And I weighed 110 pounds Mm -hmm. and I went, 
I'm choosing not to act anymore. I'm choosing to focus on writing. And you know what? I did continue to act. But what I did from there was I continued taking acting classes. I met someone in the class that was a director, a woman who was a director, and she put me in several of her projects. So I still acted. Mm -hmm. And then from her, one of her friends put me in one of her projects. And if Lily is really only concerned about acting, Mm -hmm. that is a path. Yeah, that is a path. It is. It doesn't have to be all the bullshit that you hear. That bullshit. Correct. It doesn't. And it may not. But as a parent, I'm terrified. Yeah, it's terrifying for sure. But what you have to do, too, I think, is you have to say parents are here to give Mm -hmm. them principles and belief in self and um, tools and tools and trust that they will make the right decisions with those tools. And most of the time they will. And she has a very good head on her. Yeah, she does. She's very, very savvy. Savvy and mature and responsible and understands, mm-hmm. you know, I just want to protect her from the world. Totally. <laughs> but there is a path. There is a path yeah. that's healthy. You know, yes, we have there friends is. That, and it can absolutely be done in an yeah. okay way. And, and it may not be her end know. game. Her it end, may not be. She may Correct. be Miss Pam who opens yeah. a local neighborhood exactly. um, play company, uh, whatever you call it, a company, mm-hmm. acting company, and produces plays for children. Lily, as we know, is great with children. Yeah. I wouldn't be afraid of it because she has excellent parents. She has a good head on her shoulders. She's a Girl Scout. <laughs> and she so knows she that knows she's found to... her people. I mean, she's yeah. really learned yes. that yeah. lesson that she's found her people. Yes. Like when I think back to um, theater school in New York, I did a two-year program as well, mm-hmm. Meisner program. And- when I think of the people that I was in school with, are are all of them still actors? No. One right. of my good friends, Kathy DeBono, became, she came out here, she acted. Then she became a therapist. She realized she really wanted yeah. to become a therapist. She became a therapist. She did that for years, but she continued to act. Mm-hmm. She's now in a movie that has won all of these awards at all of these film festivals. And she's won all these acting awards. Amazing. And she's having this resurgence at uh-huh. almost 50 years old. Yeah. Right. And- you know, and then I look at the other people like one of the women, one of the girls that I went to acting school with is now an, an, an actor. Oh, God. <laughs> what is this outfit that you're wearing? It's a little terrifying. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It should be buttoned. You last night. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I heard the burgers were good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good <laughs> See? Luck. I know. See, thank you. <laughs> not nice. That's not, not you. Just totally screwed everything. Kirsten and I were saying. Can I tell you one thing I did one time uh-huh. that I really regretted? It was a horrible parenting thing. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Isla said she wanted to be an actress, and I was like, "Why? Why would you want to be an actress? Why you want to? Don't you want to write your own words? Actors just repeat words other people write." And Isla was, I did, I, and then she just goes like, "I guess I don't want to be an actress anymore." And I was like, "No, wait, wait." Oh shit, you were telling me like a dream and I shit on it. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And then and then I acted and I was like, oh, it's a lot more than what I thought it was. Uh-huh. It's a lot more. And I am a really great actor. Go ahead. I'll see ya. Any hoodles. Have fun, guys. Well, we're almost done because we have we have a meeting at noon. So mm-hmm. I have to wrap it up. But yeah. yeah, I wouldn't be afraid. I mean, I understand your fears. As a parent, you're supposed to go, no, 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 you go down this route. Right. You go to college, you you prepare. But Nothing I did in college I use. See, I feel like college will provide her with a lot of life experience. It will. That's true. Like, and that's the part I don't want her to miss out on. 
as well as right. at some point you may need an education, an education. Right. Yeah. Right. A but degree so you can be a substitute a teacher to support your acting or, or whatever. Like, yeah. So that you could open your own theater company. You need a business degree or whatever. Like, I don't even care what it is, but I do feel like you need to just not just not shut off these options at 15. No, we'll that, that is a point. Not to yes. shut off an option at 15 is very wise advice. But I, I think, think a college counselor at school can also shed some light on that to Lily, like that you don't yeah. have to be the bad guy that they can go. OK, that's great. But let's also apply to some programs. OK, you like theater. Great. Well, then right. these schools have great theater programs and you can kill two birds with one stone. You can make your parents happy and you make yourself happy. Boom, boom, boom. Done. Right. You know, you know who she should talk to is Elizabeth Nini. Because Elizabeth is going to be an actress, Mm -hmm. 100%. She is going into musical theater. It is completely non-negotiable. And she is looking for colleges for that purpose. Yeah. And she's she's full of conviction. She's been in the theater program all four years in, in high school. She does the Village Arts program. She is super committed to that as being her life journey. Yeah. And you have to respect that. Someone yeah. who has that much convi- much conviction. If Lily came to you and said, I'm going to be a doctor, you'd be like, let's fucking get it done. You're right. So, you're totally right. And the fact that she came to us yeah. with all of this laid out, yeah. you're like, I can't ignore this. No. I can't pretend it's going to go away. It's not. You should not. Because so, you should not. Let's, let's do it the way that it needs to be done. What I would say to so her is she well, has a lot of due diligence. Mm-hmm. She needs to figure out, do I need a four-year college? Do I need to go to New York and study at the Neighborhood Playhouse? Do I need to stay here with Stella Adler? Right. What What am I interested in? How, what? There's so many different ways to skin that rabbit that she needs to do her due diligence because I agree with you. A trained actor is very different than an untrained actor. You have to have so much incredible raw talent to be able to craft in acting that that's very, very rare. And I'm not saying she's not that person. No, but, but the likelihood is pretty slim. Correct. So she'll probably need some education. So what does that look like? Does she need to go to the new school in New York? Where does she need to go to get what she is resonating with her? So just Mm -hmm. like you go see NYU, you also go see the neighborhood playhouse and say, if you have to audition to get in those places, right. But to see if that's even what you want to try. Right. Yeah. Go check out American Academy of Dramatic Arts, the American Musical and Dramatic Academy that you, you may be England. Maybe she wants to go to England. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Well, I had a great teacher here in LA. His name was Arthur Mendoza and he taught, he was taught by Stella Adler how to teach and he was Mm -hmm. an amazing teacher and he's right on the street. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're certainly in one of the right places. Yeah, yeah yes, for sure. It is a little bit easier, but yeah, totally. Yeah. So, well, that's really mm-hmm. mature of her and really exciting. Mm-hmm. That's great. If I get my son to do that. <laughs> hey, really. I get either of mine to do it. Mine are like, I think Isla's plans on her job being sleeping. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think she's like, I'm going to be a professional sleep study person. I'm just going to sleep. I have no idea what that kid's going to do. She... She, uh, well, I shouldn't talk about that. Never mind. But she's, she's, <laughs> she's still very much figuring out who she is. She's way she's 15, of behind yeah. some of her friends. And that's, she's right on time for herself. Yeah. But she's way behind, if you want to say behind, some of her friends. And I keep going, you just can't run their race. You got to run your own race. Yeah. 
Some people know exactly what they want to do from a young age. And some people don't know what they do want to do until they're 50 years old, like me. Right. Or yep. 45. And totally. at 45, I go, oh, I need huh. to be doing these things. The rest of it has been about finding my way to that. Mm-hmm. You know? So she's lucky. And you know what? The thing about it is, I think it's really brave. And Bert and I debate about this a lot. He could never imagine quitting, quote, quitting. But I didn't quit acting. I shifted into something Mm -hmm. I was more interested in. I was no longer interested in acting. I wasn't interested in it. So why would I continue to do something I wasn't interested in instead of being open to going, I enjoy writing more. Right. So acting led me to writing. So I'm just going to leave that over here and then pick this up over there. Yeah, that's evolving. And some people evolve further in their career and want to just evolve as an actor. And some people want to evolve on a different path. That's why you have so many different jobs in life, Uh, right? Yeah, I think it's exciting. And I think, you know, if she wants to do it, she'll do her day job with a smile Mm -hmm. on her face. I kept going. I... (laughs) I worked at Lowry's The Prime Rib while I managed an apartment building and sold Avon and worked for a private caterer and was writing Mm -hmm. all at the same time. And I would remember being really tired and my brain would go, but this allows you to write. So it's okay. Just keep going. Yeah. And and when you get like when some friends or get to the point where they're like, you know what? This isn't the lifestyle that I want. Yeah. Sometimes they shift because they the lifestyle is more important to them than the pursuit. Mm-hmm. And, but sometimes mm-hmm. what seems like to me, it's like, you're still living in a studio apartment and you're <laughs> this much old and not in a judgmental way, but no, just no. in a, I can't imagine right. myself doing that right now, Yeah, but they're happy doing yeah. it. Yeah. You know, That's to each his own, right? Exactly. Due diligence. Yeah. That's what it's about with any career is you have to do your homework. That's it. And then you can make a decision. But blindly saying, I want to be a train engineer and then not looking into what that really means is really irresponsible. So, and you'll make her, you'll make her do her due diligence. Yeah. Yeah, You guys will be right there. You won't have to make her. She'll be doing it on (laughs) her own because she's a very, she's that kind of kid. So sit down. I have a PowerPoint presentation Uh, on how I'm going to become an actress. Ready? No PowerPoint, but everything else. Yes. (laughs) I was working on my gold award about how to be. Yeah. An actress. I'm making uh-huh. a manual for other girls about how to be an actress. Um, yeah, she'll figure it out. She will. Okay. She well, any fa- last words on the push? Yeah. Well, we deviated from that. That's okay. Cause I had to go take my two dressers, which are amazing. I can't wait. Nice. I've been living out of the Ikea cubby <laughs> that my kids had in their former closets in my bedroom. And I'm like, I feel like I'm in college again. I'm like 51 and in college with all these cubbies. So I was super happy to get some real chest drawers. Anyway. Nice. Well, congrats. Um, sorry, I had to leave. Yeah. I hi- my, my final notes on the push are that I, I loved it. But even if you won't necessarily love it, I just highly recommend reading it and discussing it with someone, even if you don't have a book club. You know what I heard about recently is the two-person book club. And I thought, that just exploded my mind. I thought, why didn't I do that so many years ago when I wanted a book club, but didn't, didn't have one. It's like, yeah, just find like a friend or your sister or your mom or just somebody to read a book together or your spouse. Richard and I read the hunger games books at the same time. Oh, yeah. And then we'd like discuss them in bed and be like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. 
But, but this is just, a, I think this book is a great book to discuss because there's so much that you don't really know what's going on. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it was a real, I, I mean, I have no regrets reading it. It clearly triggered me in a lot of ways, but I thought I actually have already recommended it to several people, but I'm looking for a good read. You know, people who I know read a bit more sophisticated stuff mm-hmm. than the romance novel or whatever. But um, I've been like, it's really interesting how she wrote the book. It's a very creative way of, of telling a story yeah. through three different generations, through different people's perspectives, through different, you know, um, persons. And it's very interestingly, interestingly written. So um, I would definitely recommend the book. Mm-hmm. I just won't read it again because it triggered me too much. <laughs> what about you, Kathy? What's your final word? Yeah, I mean, I did enjoy it and I would definitely read it again in a few years. Um, it's definitely worth it. It's easy. It's, you know, it's dark, like I said, but uh, it's very interesting and well worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Next book club. Mm-hmm. Daisy Jones and the Six. I'm halfway through. So um, I don't know if we're going to try to shove it in September. So because this this is the push was actually August book club. So I don't know if we can shove this into September, but I got to start reading. I haven't started it. Yet. I could probably make it happen. This Lily Hayslip, who was a guest on our podcast, was <laughs> like, please, will you guys please book a uh, book club this, please. She's asked me about it a million times. So I'm doing this for Lily. Um, and I can't wait to talk about it. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything about it, but I no can't spoilers. wait to talk about it. What'd you say? <laughs> no spoilers. Yeah, no Too spoilers. <laughs> um, but then after that, I finally heard back from my cousin, Laura, <gasps> about her romance novel. Oh, yes. I was just going to ask you about <laughs> that. Yes. So on the podcast of Daisy Jones and the Six, we'll discuss my cousin, Laura's romance novel recommendation. I think we should read that one. hundred yeah, percent. Do it. 100%. Right? We're yes. doing it. That's Whatever, the next one like, after yeah. that. And then I think we should maybe venture into like a Stephen King type novel or your M is okay. for murder or whatever, something like that, that we mm-hmm. have never read anything like that before. Horror or thriller or I'm in. detective yeah. mystery or something. Let me tell you something. We were reading Bert Loves James Patterson. And we picked up one of his books one day in the car and Bert doesn't read much. It was the most ridiculous book (laughs) I have ever read. It was about like this man who knew that this female spy was totally in love with him. Everything she said was, I'm in love with you. And then when the woman started talking to him, everything she said was, I'm in love with you. And I was like, this is like male porn. (laughs) This is like, I have a big gun and a big wiener and I'm a general and women are all over me and she's half my age. And I was like, this is male porn. This is a male romance novel. I could not, but I read like 20 pages out loud to Georgia and Isla and we were howling. That's funny. I was like, no wonder dad likes this book. (laughs) He sees himself as this guy with the four bars and stars and the biggest, you know, wiener schnitzel on the planet. And, everyone's in love with him and he's oh, uh, so powerful and rules the world. I was like, Oh my God, the difference between men and women and what <laughs> turns them on. It's hysterical. I think I actually read some of it on a podcast with the girls. Cause it was so ridiculous when it, I read it out loud. I thought how in the world, no, no women read these books surely and think that this is a serious book. 
It may not have been James Patterson. I don't remember who it was. No, he is outrageous. Um, He does. He co-authors with a lot of different people. And when he co-authors with he co-authors with (laughs) one of my favorite um, sort of suspense thriller writers, Candace Fox, who she's an Australian writer and um, she writes really great kick ass female characters. And so when he co-authors with her. I suspect she's doing 90% of the writing because they do not read in the same way. There's, there's no Patterson. guys with big wieners. No guys with big wieners <laughs> and them around. muscles and stars and bars. No. And I'm the only one with a code to the atomic bomb. And she just wants to put her lips on my bomb. And I was like, he really said that? Oh my God. And we get shit for 50 shades of gray. Come on. Oh it was really funny. I don't oh, remember what funny. it was, but it basically was like she wants to put her lips on my bop. <laughs> and my girl, we were dying. I was like, this is dad's favorite author makes a ton of sense, especially in that outfit he just walked in. <laughs> he really believes that's sexy. It's not. It's really not. Well, thank you for talking about this and reading. Thank you for mm-hmm. reading every month. I appreciate it. Are, are you pleasure. enjoying it? Yeah. Yeah. We Do love you it. Really, are you sure? Yeah. I always worry that nobody wants to come and, and talk on the podcast because it's ta- cause it takes time away from your day. So if it ever takes time away from your day, you let me know. Okay. That's why we got here in September. <laughs> we are adults. We have boundaries. Know, right? Um, Leanne, if we ever can't do it, we will say. I we cannot do it. Yeah, we exactly. will say, I'm going to Hawaii. Exactly. Right. And it sucks for you. <laughs> just and we'll talk about it later. And we'll talk about it in the wrong month. But yes. that's okay. Yes. Good. This is my fault. We were so late. Oh, no, apparently it's my fault. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's not your fault. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was a little busy in August moving. Mm-hmm. So I moved in July, technically, but you know, moves are barely forever. July. I was still so under construction in August. I could not have mm-hmm. read. I could not have read this book. I wouldn't have understood anything it was saying because I would have been making lists in my head. Of, yeah, your push is to push all the stuff into right? the new house. Right? <laughs> push it out of my mind so I can read the push. Uh-huh. Okay, well, I look forward to seeing what you guys say about Daisy Jones and the Six. It'll be fun. I will start it so we can get it done if you want. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>